It's time for the Juice Box Junkies, an independent Houston Astros podcast. All Astros, all the time. Astros news, analysis, and opinions right here on the Juice Box Junkies. Marty Coleman and Brian Dunleavy here with episode five of the Juice Box Junkies. Brian, I see you're sipping on a cold drink there. What you got? Hey, you know, I got, um, uh, well, first I have my Astros uh, stadium, uh, you know, cup here. A little uh, nice uh, highball glass there, or lowball glass, I should say, with my, <laughs> um, you know, Irish whiskey hanging out in there. Oh, Oh, nice, nice. Well, I don't think you'd want me on Irish whiskey on this podcast because I'd probably <laughs> fall asleep. Uh, probably couldn't handle it. I'm, I'm kind of a beer guy myself, and that's about it. Um, a few of those strong drinks make me do crazy things. So uh, <laughs> I'm going to stick with the beer. You know, it's funny because one time I went to Belize one year, and I was much mm-hmm. younger then. I went to Belize, and their beer, I don't, they only had one. Um, and it was uh, about twice the alcohol of uh, general American beer. And, um, yeah, there were some crazy nights in Belize. But um, we'll, start, we'll start off the podcast talking about the lockout. As we talk about it every week, this is episode five. We've talked about the lockout in five episodes. We'll spend a whole lot of time on it. But I feel like, obviously, it's the biggest news in the game these days, or the non-games, as it were. So we need to talk about it. And both sides have had made incremental improvements in uh, their positions, but nothing major. The February 28th deadline imposed by the owners doesn't seem like it's going to happen. Um, my son, he's 15. He's hopeful that something happens by that uh, Monday, next Monday. But here we are Wednesday evening. We have had no breaking news, no big news saying, oh, they've made any progress on the major issues, right? It's all the minor ones, and it's always like a little incremental. Nobody's meeting in the middle so to speak. We talked last week and I was of the opinion that the players also had some responsibility, right? This is a negotiation, um, bargaining, uh, not a one-sided meet us where we are, but meeting in the middle. It seems like neither side wants to do that. I'm very doubtful we're going to have an agreement by the 28th and therefore I'm very doubtful the season is going to start on time. Yeah, I can't. I can't imagine. That's why I have my my, my beverage here because uh, they got pr- proper proper twelve here. The uh, uh, Conor McGregor, you know, beverage. But uh, I think that's that's about all the entertainment you're going to get here. You know, in the meantime, because they are so far apart. The one the one um, <clears throat> sad but true reality, and um, I don't know if you want to say. Uh, I told you so kind of facts, but you know, they sat, they sat around, didn't talk this whole time, didn't do anything, met every, you know, for the past month, what met every so often. Um, so the only good part that you can even say is that they're meeting like daily. That's, that's about it. That's the only progress that, that has been made is that they meet more. Um, whether or not they actually get anything done, that's a whole nother 
you know, separate thing and they're not really getting anything done. I, you know, I just, um, was reading an overview and, and they're just, they're, they're still light years apart, you know, and, uh, and it's all, all money-based. And as you alluded to Marty, you know, most of the time I want to give the players the benefit of the doubt, but you know, what, what have we done over the past, uh, you know, week or, or two? I mean, what, what really have we accomplished? What is the, what is the play? What are the players, you know, really saying and begging, Hey, we need to meet, we need to meet, we need to go over this. We need to save the season. I personally, I don't think that the players care if we miss spring training or not. I really don't. Um, you know, we've talked about this before. They don't get paid anyway. So, you know, I, I don't think they have any problem missing spring training. Um, but you know, what's hanging in the balance now is, and why they're meeting so often is because if they don't get it done here soon, now we're talking about paychecks, regular season games being missed, paychecks being missed by players and, and owners, uh, you know, cash flow coming from those things also being impacted. So that's, I think, the only reason why they're meeting so often. I don't think that they're like both coming to, to terms that, oh, we really need to work this out and make a deal happen soon. I think it's more of well, we, we want to make as much money as we can. So if we can, you know, finagle it out of the other side, then we will. Yeah. I think the long-term goal, I think the players are going, are willing to uh, suffer short-term for the long-term goal, um, which they see as necessary. And, you know, in previous years, it didn't seem like they were willing. They seem stronger this year than they have in the past. Now, when when it comes time to to when it comes go time on April first and they're not receiving those large checks that they usually receive some of them anyway, um, we'll see how long they hold out for. I just want both sides to be able to negotiate and to give. Easy for me to say. I'm not the one giving up the money, right, <laughs> or the benefits. Yeah. Easy for me to say sitting here in Kyle, Texas, but. I just find it hard to believe they haven't moved any further than they have. Deadlines are supposed to spur action, and we're, we've got a deadline, and we're not seeing much action. No, and 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 you know, with the that money uh, amount, like you mentioned, that uh, you know, what they're going, they're not really going back and forth on it. You know, the, if anybody's watching this on a regular basis, you know, the only hope that you can ever get from any of these things, if you start seeing the dollar amounts change, you know, like right. we demand this. And then they say, oh, well, maybe we'll do this. But so far, the only dollar amount that's changed that I'm aware of is that the players came down a, a, a tiny, tiny fraction of a bit. They didn't, you know, the owners didn't do anything. They had no response. They had no, oh, you went you went this way? Oh, we'll go our way, too, and we'll kind of, you know, try and go from there. Um, and I think, I think that was, you know, the players saying, trying to make their good faith show that say it's not us, it's them kind of a deal. It's kind of a public thing because really the amount that they changed was almost nominal anyway. Right. Right. But, you know, uh, you, you do that and the owners just say, nope. And, and they're the, they're the shrewd, if you will, go, going some historic, you know, novels here. They're the shrewd money lenders, uh, Ebenezer Scrooge of the, uh, <laughs> of the world here they want to they want to nickel and dime you for everything you got well we were we were talking before we hit record and i was saying i'm trying to explain this to my son who's mostly on the player side this time but i 
you know, I told him, you know, this is a negotiation. This is a bargaining. Bargaining is not sitting there and saying, no, we're not moving off our, you know, whatever, $200 million demand. That's not bargaining. That's demanding, right? Um, if they just came down, let's say, to 180, um, that is a, you know, 10% or whatever. And that's a huge, a huge, um, uh, you're giving a huge amount to the owners. And maybe the owners will come up to 120. Still nowhere near close agreeing, but at least there's movement and you can see, you know, the discussions. As you said, what's happening right now, it seems like is I'm at 100, you're at 200. Okay, I'll come down to 195. Okay, I'll go up to 105. And it's we're not getting anywhere. And um, I just fear we're going to miss games. As you said, apparently the owners and players don't fear missing the game. I'll be shocked if we start. Uh, if we have a deal by the 28th, as I said, and we start on time, uh, not going to happen. Uh, okay, you know, and, it, and today I wrote an article for Climbing Tiles Hill that kind of is affected by this lockout. It's Lance McCullers Jr. doing an interview saying that his rehab. First of all, he said his injury was worse than the Astros let on last fall. That it was his tendon was detached from the bone, uh, and that but the important thing is is that his rehab is affected by the lockout because he can't with the players locked out he cannot work with the Astros personnel and in the Astros facilities and he pointed to the last time the NHL had a work stoppage they let injured players rehab with the clubs right the NHL did but the the uh, major league baseball is not doing that so his rehab is is not progressing as he had hoped, and he may not be ready for opening day, but may not be a problem because it sounds like opening day is not going to be on April 1st. But still, he's not going to be able to work with Astros staff and uh, facilities until the lockout is solved, so it's delaying his rehab. Something I had never thought about, right? I didn't even think about, okay, that means that I knew they couldn't be in the facilities, but I didn't realize the injured players were not allowed to to work with the staff. So, a set, first of all, the injury is worse than expected, which is a setback in itself. And second of all, due to lockout, he's not able to uh, not not just him, but any injured player is not able to work with the the staff that they would typically work with. I had a Twitter uh, response to to the article saying, "Yeah, but he's got means of dollars; he can find his own." Right? What happens if something happens? Or the Astros don't agree with whatever rehab is proposed by that person. Does he have to start over when they sign? Is he putting his next contract at risk by, you know, the Astros saying, well, that's not the rehab we wanted. And we believe that may have set you back. So it's the simple answer. It's it's too simple to say they have millions of dollars. They should just go ahead and get their own rehab. Sure, it sounds nice, but... They have tens of millions at risk, and I would be doing the same thing Lance McCullers is doing uh, if I was if I was him. Right, and and, and you know you can't belittle obviously the amount of money he's making, but he also, um, and this is what I think uh, you know you have to understand from that perspective too. I mean, whatever he does, he's he is jeopardizing whether or not he's going to get paid that five-year, eighty-five million dollar contract that he just sign through you know through 2026 i mean he's he's trying to make sure that he gets all of that and whatever he does is a is a 
club approved number one, but also, you know, gets him the best place, uh, you know, where he needs to be, to be back to a hundred percent. And, you know, I wrote about this too, the beginning of the lockout, uh, you know, that first came out the information about him that was apparently not true. Um, you know, they, all, uh, you know, writers and rumors and things that came out said that, you know, it wasn't too bad, you know, it's just a strain and all this stuff. And nobody said any of those kind of details. Um, and you knew they know, I mean, they, they, they knew that from that time period, I think he saw two, he had two different opinions on what was going on. So, you, you know, that the Astros knew exactly what, what was happening. And, um, you know, as you alluded to with, with typical lockouts, they do, you know, able, at least if you're injured or you're able to work out and, and see the physical trainers and see the, you know, the training staff and use the training facilities, but that is not the case this year. And that's, that's what, what I was writing out about before. And he said that before in, in December is, you know, they're, they, you know, they have the symbolic lock on the, on the gate at Wrigley or, you know, wherever, you know, the park is. And, and so players literally cannot get in and cannot get to the facility and, you know, Sure, he could go with an outside provider, and they probably have a, a pretty decent amount of equipment. But I guarantee you that the major league equipment in their training facility is the best in the world, and you're not going to get that outside of the Astros training facility unless you're ponying up a lot of money. Which I'm sure any injured player who's making more than McCullers has already made um, is is in that facility, and so you're kind of fighting for a spot. And, and uh, you know, like Verlander, for example. You know, he was doing all his rehab in Florida, so he's not even. You're not even in Houston. You're not even, you know, where you're where everything's happening. So he'd probably have that additional cost too. He'd have to to you know sit somewhere, or, you know, rent a house or buy a house somewhere or rent one of the guys' house, go to that facility. And Verlander was doing that on a daily basis, um, all throughout the playoffs and everything. And he'd have to have the same regime because. Arm injuries are tough. Arm injuries, you know, it, it's a. Uh, that's why you know we talked about this earlier this week. That's why those surgeons are some of the richest in the world because they perform miracles. And if they can do it right, you're you're making the team and the guy a lot of money. And if you do it wrong, then then that's the end of the career. So, yeah. you know, you don't you don't want to mess with that that sort of stuff. Arm injuries are tough. Yeah, you do not want to jeopardize your next contract by. Uh, going as you said, someone outside the team. So, I and one other takeaway from that, it was it was um, advertised the first time I saw it. As he said, he is going to miss the start of the uh, the opening day, but that's not what the the video said. The video said he wasn't sure, and that his rehab was um, slowed a bit uh, by by the lockout. So, just to be clear, hasn't yet said he's definitely missing opening day. Uh, that he may miss opening day okay this week's minor leaguer we're going to talk about is sean dubin i've done uh matthew barefoot and uh, joe record in the last two weeks brian this is your guy sean dubin now we looked him up earlier or i looked him up i hadn't read much about him Six one and 171 pounds and it said he gained 30 pounds i'm hoping that was after the 171 and he didn't gain the 30 to get to 171 tell us about sean dubin yeah absolutely i think um you know i had a couple different articles i was referencing for this uh you know i was looking at him earlier as one of the top prospects in the farm system left and chandler rome had 
written something back in the uh, middle of January on him. He's really kind of a Cinderella story of a player, you know, drafted in the 13th round in 2018 for it, his signing bonus was a thousand dollars. Now, if you're, if you're not fully aware of how that works with the minor leaguers and that system, everything, you really don't make anything at all. You're making like less than minimum wage to be a minor league baseball player. So to have a signing bonus, that's kind of your lifeline. That's how you, you make it through. And so, for him signing for that, he's really paying. He's really playing because he loves the game. It's not because of anything else. And and um, you know, so Houston just recently added him to the forty-man roster in November, um, so that he wouldn't be um, subject to the Rule Five draft, which is which is a big step. Which means that the Astros see anybody on that forty-man roster, you could see him easily popping up here. Um, my guess is he will be the first man or second man out of the system if any of our starters get injured or he'll be the first man or second man up in the uh, September expanded roster call-ups. And the one thing I really do like about him, you know, I'll go run through his stats, but, um, you know, instantly when you see any pitcher um, and, and, you know, I'll go back to my days and, and uh, facing the one time I faced Justin Verlander in college, I mean, he's throwing upper nineties and, and there's a huge difference. You wouldn't think it between a 97 mile an hour fastball and a 92 mile an hour fastball. You think uh, five miles an hour, no big deal. But it, it's a huge, huge difference when you're sitting in the batter's box and you have that little bit less time to react to to what's going on. I, I can do 92. 97 is tough. Um, and so he's throwing upper 90s. He's got four pitches that that he's working on, and he's currently working through with the the, the Astros. Um, you know, staff down there in the minor leagues. Um, he's got a, a, a pretty good um, slider uh, that, that Chandler Rome said was one of the organization's best, uh, you know, sliders that they have. So, you know, that with the upper 90s, if he can really solidify those other two pitches and throw strikes with them, you know, look out. He, he, could, be, he could be one for the future and, and a guy that they lean on uh, coming out if, if they need to, especially if we have some of those issues like we had this past year with injuries um, over the uh, the uh, uh, past season when we had multiple starters out. And uh, just to, to wrap up on him and the stuff that I have, um, you know, for this past season, he was in AAA. He was 4-3 um, and three with a 3.44 ERA um, and had a, you know, pretty good, you know, run of it. Um, but didn't get as much opportunity. Obviously, a four and three is as much opportunity in AAA as as he could have had. Um, but I think he's primed um, to go that quickly from a low A ball to high A ball to AAA. Um, you know, running through the system just over the past year and to perform with a 3.44 ERA in the minors in AAA. I think that says a lot. You know, 69 strikeouts over 49 innings. So. He's a guy to look for in the future. He's definitely a guy that, he, as I wrote about, he's one of the guys that's really impacted by not having a spring training. He would be able to really show his stuff and show out and, and show the potential for him if we had that spring training. Well, first of all, you buried the lead here. You faced Justin Verlander in college. Yeah, that is... Uh, <laughs> How'd that go? I had I had one at bat um, against him. He was playing Old Dominion. We were playing at at Old Dominion for there. I pinch hit um, and went in against him I, being a lefty. So 
had that had that advantage. Um, I worked it. I worked the count. I got I got to a nine pitch uh, count uh, through them. I fouled off a couple of you know good ones uh, down the line, but just a little bit late because it was ninety seven. And then he has a devastating uh, changeup for lefties. It looks exactly coming out of his hand. Looks exactly like a fastball. And you're trying to you're trying to catch up to ninety seven, and then you he drops one in there at eighty nine as, as a changeup that breaks down and away. So he he got me on that one. I I just hung my hat and I said, yeah, see ya. <laughs> there there is no shame in uh, swinging and missing against Justin Verlander. It's it's funny you say that because my, I I never played past high school, but I had some some friends who 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 did. Uh, one of them who made it to the major leagues, and I think back in the day he threw 92, which is probably equivalent to 97 these days, right? Pitchers <laughs> have gotten faster, and, and things have changed a bit. But um, he played when we we played all growing up together um, and against each other growing up. And there was a time in I think it was Pony League where the team he played on had him who by the way, was at 19th overall pick in the draft one year, an All-American at University of South Carolina, and another guy who made it to AAA with the Giants. So think about the poor Pony League teams that had to face those guys, right? Um, yeah. Two pitchers, which all you only played two games a week, so that's all they needed. <laughs> and yeah. uh, to say they ran through the league was, uh, was uh, obvious and uh, a lot of fun, but um, – <laughs> He 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 uh, made it up with the the angels and then uh, kind of traveled around a little bit and um, uh, ended up with the Orioles one day. We were sitting and off topic, but we were sitting having some beers in a bar in Charleston, South Carolina. He gets a phone call and it was the Orioles. He'd already gone home. He had pitched in AAA that year, and the Orioles called wanted to call him up for September. Things have changed a little bit since then. Again, and uh, next thing I know, three days later, he's pitching for the Orioles, and uh, it's crazy, crazy times. But so I know I faced somebody who threw, like I said, ninety-two. He wasn't. He's not Justin Verlander, obviously, but um, I know what it's like. And man, I swung and missed so many times. It was it was pitiful. It was pitiful. So I've been there. <laughs> Back to Sean Dubin. Uh, you believe he was going to be the first guy called up when the Astros, first or second guy called up when the Astros need help. That's interesting because I haven't heard a lot of, I haven't heard the name of lot. I'm familiar with him, but it just, it seems like more of the other guys get the run. The same old, you know, Anoli Paredes and Andre Scrub and uh, the other guys that are typically up. So I hadn't heard that. So it'll be intriguing to see if he is, one of the first, Tyler Ivey's another one before he got hurt last year. Um, it'll be interesting to see if he's the one who gets the call because we know pitchers are going to get hurt and miss starts. That you don't go through the season without that happening. So um, it's going to happen at some point, whether that's April, May, or later in the season. Um, it's like I always say about like offensive linemen and defensive linemen in football. It's mm-hmm. not a matter if somebody's going to get hurt; it's when. Right? Is it going to be in April? Is it going to be in August? Who knows? We know pitchers will get hurt. So, someone to follow, Sean Dubin. As I saw, he was a 13th round draft pick, the 402nd overall selection. So he's literally come from almost nowhere um, to making a major league roster, which is always fun to follow. Right? Somebody you wouldn't think at the four uh, number 402 would have a chance of making it to the majors. 
Speaking of maybe getting into the rotation, you wanted to talk about the future of the Astros rotation as you see it. Yeah, and that and that is also the the hard part that goes along with this, and the and the difficult uh, you know questions that lie ahead. And and I had you know one I think one person commented on the the article that I wrote uh, about the future of the of the rotation because you know right now obviously we're in a lockout, so we don't have anything else to talk about. We don't have to talk about spring training. We don't have games to talk about, so we might as well break down what does the future look like ahead and. And, and here's the real question, and this is number one, and, and, and then we'll go on from there, and maybe we can bet this back and forth first, but, but who's, the, who's your ace? That's the, that's the question. You have Justin Verlander, who we signed for a year, and um, you know from that I believe it's a, 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 a player option for, for year number two, um, and I could be wrong on that. It's either uh, – but, you know, so – at the, if I'm if I'm James Click, I'm thinking at the most I got this guy for one season, and it might be a half a season at this point. So what do you do next year when when spring training rolls around? Who's your ace? Is it the guy that's we just talked about that's currently injured, McCullers, that steps up as the ace? I mean, um, you know, McCullers has had some dynamite seasons, um, but he's also gotten injured multiple times with the same recurring injury. So. That's a big. That's a big question mark for me. You know, what do you think about that ace prospect, Marty? I think uh, I, I think Lance McCullers is a very good pitcher, but I think he's subject to injury, and that's you know that's maybe not a fair thing for me to say that those injuries can happen to anyone. Uh, but much like Carlos Correa did last year, I think he needs to prove he can make it through a season. Uh, without being injured. I think that it's hard to be an ace when you are out there for 22 starts a year, right? You have to be able to depend on that ace to be there. I'm not saying it's his fault. Um, I'm just saying that's the way it is, and that's the way you have to look at it, um, and it, that's tough. It, you know, And we can talk about this as, as we continue this conversation, but I keep reading and hearing that the Astros have too many starters or they have a ton of starters I don't see it. I mean, I, I, I guess I need I'm more of a show-it-to-me kind of guy. I think uh, Luis Garcia uh, had a great season last year, but I expect him to regress this year. All of the underlying metrics say expect regression. Uh, McCullers is often hurt. Verlander's 39. Christian Javier, we all want to talk about him, and when we get enough of us on here at one time, we will. I think he should be starting but they can't find a place for him. Um, I, I, I th- back to McCullers. I'm sorry. I got off topic here. No, you're good. I think he needs to be healthy for a full solid year. Show me that he can throw. What is a 200 innings, maybe 180, 190, yep. 200 innings, something like that before I believe he's a candidate for it. Be an ace. Well, and, and, you know, leading off of that too. I mean, so, and you, you, you led into it perfectly. They, there's all this talk saying the Astros have too many starters and too many starters. And, and while I agree with that in theory, um, here's, here's the question. And this is, and this was my big thing in, in the article I wrote. And, and, you know, um, the number one question I have is there, who's number one? 
there's there is no clear right now if you if you sat down and you say it's 2023 Justin Verlander said no thanks I'm going I'm going to play my last season with Detroit so I can you know get back to the team I started with or something like that you know if that happened you know you sit down and you say okay well McCullers is the likely choice for number one um, but but then then what do you do um, Astros you know the rotation three numbers three through five it's all they're all question marks because they all had each one of them had a great season but we don't need a great one season we need great many seasons from our starters so you know Luis Garcia Framber Valdez um, last year both of them had you know outstanding seasons and seasons that they have not had before and they really showed out and um and, and and this year before that, the COVID year, um, Jose Urquidy was lights out in the in the playoffs. Um, he had a great season. He was, you know, I think people forgot about that. Maybe they just didn't watch because of you know, the you know uh, everything that was going on, and it was it was really crazy watching the, the the COVID year and everybody being quarantined and whatnot, and people not playing. And but Urquidy performed really well in the playoffs. But great, you do that, but we need a full season from you. You know, yeah. we need a full season from you. We need a full season from Valdez. We need a full season from Garcia, uh, all of them to really measure. And that's that's, you know, it, it seems kind of lame what <laughs> I wrote about, but you know, that's that's really what I wrote about. Each one of these guys had a great one season. Until you can show me back to back years, two years in a row, that you can do the same thing. I don't, I don't, uh, I don't have a, a, a place for you in the rotation. I can say right now, based off of last season, I can say. From Valdez is number three. I could say Luis Garcia is number four. I could say Jose Urquidy is number five. I, I could say that just based off of last season until they prove me wrong. But what if they prove me wrong this year? What if um, you know Luis Garcia is the biggest question mark in my in my mind? I mean, what what if he just has a completely different year this year? Maybe Urquidy steps up and he's number four, and, and Garcia is number five. Um, you know, maybe you know for some reason Odorizzi has to go in there in the rotation. I don't know. You know, there's you know there's a lot of question marks in my mind. Um, I would think, you know, if it was somebody, especially you know, we talked about prospects before, somebody like Forrest Whitley who has all this hype and stuff behind him. If a guy like that stepped into the major leagues and had a season like they did last year, then you'd have a little more confidence because he had all the hype coming up. These guys didn't have the hype. Yeah, I think it's a I think it's a huge huge question mark. Um, I think even this year, you know, you talk about next year Verlander has an option. I think it's I think it's a question mark this year. McCullers is hurt. We just we just had a segment about him not being ready on time, whatever, whenever, or for opening day, whenever that may be. So Verlander's thirty nine, coming off surgery, hasn't pitched since July twenty fourth of two thousand and twenty in a game. You know. Your two biggest pitchers right there are thought to be aces are both in delicate situations. And who knows what we're going to get out of Verlander. My uh, suspicion is we're going to get classic Verlander, the the guy that struck you out, right? And and yeah. McCullers is going to get better. But when's he going to get better? Is that going to be June, July? And will he get hurt again later in the season and miss part of the playoffs or all of the playoffs? There is a lot of unknowns. I mean, think about this. There's so many unknowns. That I, I know he's under contract, but Jake Odorizzi is still being considered, you know, as a possible starter at some point, at some time. The guy that didn't seem to be able to get anybody out. And I think that's what 
that's what confuses me. They talk about having too many starting pitchers, and they can't get Christian Javier into the starting rotation despite him being much better as a starter than a reliever. But here we are talking about guys that are coming off injury, guys who are injured now, um, guys that have a year under their belt, as you said. No, you know, I wouldn't consider someone when I think of an ace, I think of a Justin Verlander type, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what I consider an ace, not somebody who's played for a year or two and is 11 and eight with a 3.98 ERA. Right. Um, not that ERA is everything, but you get my drift It's Justin Verlander of the world. It's cinder guards of the world. Those type of guys are your aces, not Luis Garcia, who's a nice piece, had some great outings, but you can't be an ace and go five and a third every game, right? You need exactly. seven. You need seven, right? Your bullpen's going to be worn out by June or July if you if you need uh, three and two-thirds from them every night. Well, and, and the big question, too, with that, going going back to that, too, and I, and I didn't bring it up yet, but, you know, I think that, that talk's all great. However, you know, when you get to – the playoffs. How did how did those guys perform? Name name one of those three guys that you said their whole playoffs was fantastic. Not one of them. You know yeah. they were they were all question marks. You know, Fromber had a good game. Uh, you know, Garcia had a good game. Um, Arquiti had a, a decent game, but none of them had ace material right. game or even number two starter material game. I wouldn't put him. Up, I wouldn't put either of those guys up against the number two in the playoffs. They're, they're, all three of them are fighting for the three-hole to get innings, really, in the playoffs from what they did this past season. Now, sure, they got their experience. Maybe it's a different story this this go-around. But, you know, from what I, I, I found, and we talked about this before doing the eye test, you know, when players get into the to the playoffs, they have two two conclusions usually. Either they, they outperform in the playoffs because they're a playoff caliber kind of guy and they're used to the spotlight and they want that big standout moment, or they kind of crumble a little bit because it's a lot of pressure, a lot of extra things that they're not used to. And, you know, it's hard to say what we're going to get when, when you have such up and down performances. I think Valdez was the only one that really had multiple performances that were that were decent. But, again, nothing like he had performed in the season. Well, and here's the test for me. Uh, one of the tests being an ace, and you, you mentioned it. When you are surprised at when someone does well, um, when you're surprised that Luis Garcia had the season he had or had the good game in the playoff, that tells me they're not an ace. When you expect that, like you do from Verlander or Cole back in the day, that tells me that's an ace um, uh, candidate and likely an ace, right? When, when Verlander goes out there, it, even in the regular season, and, and throws eight and gives up three hits and a run and strikes out seven and walks one, you go, you expected it. You go, yep, that's Verlander. If Luis Garcia did that, if he made eight innings, you'd go, wow, what a great outing, you know? And you're like, right, okay, no, it's just an outing. It's an ace's outing, right? Maybe he's not ace material, and I don't mean to bag on Luis Garcia. He's a good pitcher, and he may right. win – 15 games this year, and that's nothing to sneeze at. I'm just, we're just having the ace conversation and somebody you can depend on. Maybe he'll grow into that. I don't know, but I'm, I'm doubtful. 
Yeah, and and I I don't know that, and that's the big question. We don't know the future for any of those three guys. And I would say if I knew James Click better, which I really don't, it, it's kind of a question mark what he does. Um, you know, during crunch time with all those like this year with all the trades right before the deadline, or or what he's going to do, what moves he's going to do. The, my my question is if these if these three guys, I think this is the test. You know, if if these three guys can't have a solid season, let's say one of them has a, you know, and I'm not saying this is a, the worst season you can have, but if you have a 4.5 ERA and you regularly give up hits and walks and you, you have control issues, my question is, does Click pull the trigger on one of those guys, trade them at the deadline to get whatever value he can, maybe for the bullpen or someplace that needs an extra help uh, because of what happens during the season? My guess would be yes. My guess would be one of those three guys, if if they don't perform this year, that they might be trade bait coming, um, you know, this trade deadline. Yeah, because I don't think there's much in the minor leagues to trade to get anything of any value, right? So uh, maybe somebody's going to want a, a pitcher, a game-ready pitcher, even, even though, you know, he didn't work out for the Astros. That's not to say he might not be a valuable piece for another team uh, to build around. And a team that has time to grow and is not in the position of the Astros who are obviously trying to contend for champions. What a great conversation to have. And I think, uh, assuming the season starts at some point, it's one that we can continue to monitor as the season goes along. And who knows, maybe we're wrong. Who knows, maybe we're right or more likely we're somewhere in between. Somebody will work out really well. Somebody will go to crap all together. Um, I'm just I'm putting my uh, my bet on Justin Verlander at least for this season because I think he has he just has it and it is a, yeah. you know I don't think he's going to you know some guys get a 25 million and you go oh my God what's he going to do he's got 25 million I'm not worried about that at all with Justin no. Verlander he's a no. veteran. He's an ace. He's a Hall of Famer. He may not be the same, but by God, he's going to give you the effort to try and be the same or even better. Absolutely, and uh, yeah, I, I'm right there with you. I think I think that's spot on. I I think you your top three. I think we'll have for the playoffs. I think we will have a, a decent three to go. I, I think McCullough just comes back strong whenever he comes back. Um, and if I'm the Astros, especially if things are delayed and if they have any kind of spring training or anything like that, he's he's just recovering the whole time. He's doing rehab. We're not worried about him. We're just getting him back healthy. And and if I have JV and I have McCullers as one two, and, and I, I need maybe one win a series out of Framber Valdez, for example, um, I'm fine with that. I'm happy with that. Um, and and the other two guys can contribute, you know, through the pen or. Or you know those long starts if somebody falters like Valdez has a has a bad start or something, but you know I'm I'm fine with that. I think you know the bigger question is what what happens in the future. You know, yeah. is is a guy is a guy like um, you know Dubin sooner rather than later. You know, I don't know. We'll see. Should be interesting. We'll be seeing. It. We'll 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 be seeing. We'll see. And uh, with the lockout in effect, we'll have more time to watch some minor league baseball and check out the, I was going to say the Sugarland Skiers, the Sugarland Space Cowboys. Um, I've already got the app on my phone for minor league baseball. All i got to do is 
hit the button, and I got a feeling we're going to be watching a lot of minor league baseball till eh, middle of May or so. Yeah, yeah, and college for sure. Yes. You know, I I always enjoy some college baseball games in the spring. Yeah, it's, it was really nice this weekend having uh, college baseball. My son even watched it with me. He's not a college baseball fan at all, but he realizes and recognizes might be the baseball we get to watch this year, at least for the future. And he, he's trying to, to get into it. But the umpires, you know, yeah, not not sold on the college umpires yet. No, no, those guys, they're they're local guys, and I know I know several of them from when I was playing that I also had in high school. So they're not they're not top tier guys necessarily. They they might do all over the place from high school up through college, just because you know a lot of times you just need to feel you know, fill those positions. So right. you know, you're not going to get the, you're not going to get the pro you're not getting the robots at least, I guess, <laughs> but you're, you know, we'll see. <laughs> All right. Brian Dunleavy, I appreciate your time today. Uh, oh, for one against Verlander. Uh, I'd say you get him next time, but I don't think there's going to be a next time, but what a story to tell. You got to bat against Justin Verlander. My friend, I was mentioning, uh, got to pitch uh, against Don Magley, who was, my uh, hero growing up and he's, yeah. I, I asked him what happened he said I threw two on the black he was 0-2 um, I threw another one on the black he hit it off the center field fence <laughs> <laughs> and the other, he struck out Wade Boggs on three pitches one time I think that was the highlight of his career but uh, yeah Mattingly uh, uh, wore him out that day um, mm. uh, he had six innings at Yankee Stadium with only allowing one run but Mattingly I think was three for four three doubles or something so must have, uh, must have been Tampa Bay Wade Boggs then. Yeah, I, here's the funny part. When the Mattingly, I, I was, I was so, I was like, really hit the ball. He did, you know, I was a young kid. He did, I because, oh yeah, that's you, man. Go ahead, pull for your heroes and not your buddies. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's the way it goes, man. That's the way it goes. Anyway, great conversation, Brian. I appreciate your time, and uh, hopefully, we'll see you next week. We'll have some of our compadres here with us, but if not, we'll carry on. Sounds good. Have a good one. All right. Thanks for listening to this episode of Juice Box Junkies. Please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. And join us for the next episode of Juice Box Junkies.